This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson. And we're joined here with a special guest, Eric Blaze. He's the president of Headspace Marketing, which uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the province of Quebec and signage for retailers. Uh, So welcome, Eric. Good to be with you, Craig. Tell me a bit about yourself and Headspace Marketing, just so we have a bit of an idea of who you are. Well, uh, Headspace is a uh, 20-year-old firm now based in Toronto, but with a single-minded focus on French Quebec. Uh, so we assist advertisers in English Canada and elsewhere in the United States uh, with the Quebec market. Um, we typically approach the business in terms of what can be adopted, uh, if can be adapted, and if needed, what can be what should be created for the French Quebec market. So we have a wide range of clients and a wide range of sectors, um, including retail, of course. Terrific, terrific. Now, we did an article recently in Retail Insider about Bill C-96, and actually you wrote it. So it was an an op-ed that was submitted. Thank you so much, by the way. It was awesome. And it got some really good feedback. People were curious, interested, uh, became educated, and wanted to know more. So wanted to talk a little bit about Bill 96 uh, signage uh, in Quebec in terms of retailers and otherwise. Um, so tell us a bit about Bill 96 and uh, the, the potential fallout, because I think there might be some confusion and and, uh, and whatnot with uh, people that are you know just learning about this. Sure. Well, first, I should say I'm not a lawyer, and I think that's important to say at the outset here. We're talking about a law, and we're talking about uh, legalese and language that uh, is not necessarily easy to grasp for a marketer like me, and I suspect for many retailers. So if anything, I would preface any comment uh, I'm making here today with uh, the advice to consult legal counsel on Bill 96 and and some of the provisions, particularly in language signs and the sign uh, the language on signs, but also all kinds of the provisions of the law that have far-reaching impact on on how one conducts business in Quebec um, contracts and so on. Um, Bill ninety six. Um, so again. Uh, this is a marketer's uh, perspective on a law that I'm quite familiar with uh, and uh, legal points of views that have been, uh, of course, um, written since by various law firms on the law. Um, Bill 96 is essentially uh, a way to strengthen famous Bill 101. I say famous because that bill has had much press over many, many years. It's the charter of the French language in Quebec, and it's one that set out uh, a variety of rules and regulations in terms of the language uh, in business, the language of um, in re- in commerce, um, but also uh, education, public service, all kinds of aspects of Quebec life. Um, Bill 96 is essentially doing one thing, uh, strengthening it. And uh, strengthening it means uh, ensuring even more uh, presence of French in everyday life in Quebec. And it strengthens it also by giving increased powers to the Office Québécois de la langue française, the famous language police, as many call them, but basically the, organ- the, the Quebec government agency responsible for the promotion and the, quote, protection of the French language. Um, increased powers mean, um, and again, I advise you to, to speak to lawyers, but what it means in a nutshell is that until now, the office would act uh, when a complaint was made to the office. Uh, someone would feel that a, an organization is not respectful of the law, 
makes a complaint, the office investigates, and if there's a case, then they would turn it over to the proper authorities to uh, start initiating actions, you know, various civil actions against that organization. Uh, a bit like the Office de la Protection du Consommateur, the, the Quebec Protection Office, same principle of a complaint that then gets investigated and enacted upon. Hmm. What the law does, what Bill 96 does, is actually gives the power of the Office to um, charge, uh, to actually also um, uh, investigate in a more aggressive manner, I would say, my words, uh, by um, having the right to enter uh, businesses uh, to look at uh, how business is conducted, uh, whether the software being used is in French, and so on. So a strengthening of the law that was meant in Bill 101 to promote, protect the French language, um, and the strengthening in terms of language science, to get specific to the reason we're here today, is that I guess it can be best summed up uh, by explaining a transition from what basically Bill 101 required, which was the sufficient presence of French. That's what the law asks for. And that's what retailers, many of them, um, complied with. And how did they go about doing that? I'll use examples here. I hope that's appropriate for this podcast, but winners. Winners has a sign in Toronto that says winners, and that's it. In Quebec, it's winners mud. Moors, I'm using apparel here, but it could be any sector. Moors will have vêtements pour hommes, men's apparel, and so on. So the way this was done, largely, mostly, was through the use of a descriptive that was added to the brand name in English, Moors, winners, and that descriptive was in French. I say descriptive, it could also be uh, fondé en 1967, you know, founded in 1967, because it added French around an English trademark and gave it sufficient presence. That's the language of the law as it was, and that is still is today, because I think it's important, just a little aside, Bill 96, as far as language of the sign of signage is concerned, is not in force until June 2025. So yeah. retailers have three years basically to comply to what I'll explain in a second. So sufficient presence of French meant cafe Starbucks next to Starbucks and descriptors and slogans founded since or any sort of narrative that was in French next to it. Now, how does one literally measure sufficient presence in French? Well, I don't think that any officials from l'Office Québécois de la langue française um, showed up at a retailer's with a measuring tape. But there has to be this general sense that this was not a unilingual uh, trademark without any French associated with it. An important point to keep in mind, and, and, and Craig, stop me if this is too much of a monologue here, but an important to keep, point to keep in mind is that Retailers are allowed to use an English trademark in Quebec. That's mm. not changing with Bill 96. Canadian Tire is still Canadian Tire, unless Canadian Tire has trademarked a French version, which would be found in the registry. So if Pneu Canadien actually exists as a trademark, because they chose to trademark it, even though they're not using it, but they're trademark, then they must use Pneu Canadien. 
So wow. in a way, yes, but 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 so so ironically, <laughs> they're 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 saying if you if you've trademarked it, you must use it. So the the example I can use of this is Leon's in Quebec, Leon. It's trademark. It's on their signage. They're totally compliant for Bill ninety six three years from now with Leon because they trademarked it, and on top of that, they're using it. So back to how Bill one hundred one then goes from sufficient presence of French. Cafe Starbucks, uh, Winner's Mud, to now what Bill 96 is asking for, the predominance of French. Sounds simple enough. What does that really mean, predominance of French on a sign? Does that mean that cafe needs to be bigger than Starbucks? Does that mean that mud needs to be bigger than Winner's? I asked the question because, of course, it's a law. It's not giving a lot of examples. It's fact, it's giving none. But predominance of French is different than the sufficient presence of French. So it's my conclusion from reading the law and the many legal opinions I've seen since that predominance of French would lead to either big cafe, small Starbucks, Bigger les restaurants, smaller Burger King, bigger hamburgers et frites, smaller Five Guys, you see the point, or a bigger founded en 1900 something, or a slogan, or if you take a Lululemon, which right now has gone with boutique Lululemon, sufficient presence of French boutique, would the boutique need to be twice as big as Lululemon? Not quite clear, but certainly it would have to be predominant. Hmm. Or, and the law allows for that, it seems, would you have next to a sign that says Lululemon on St. Catherine, yeah. a permanent window sign with a big piece of text in French with one of Lululemon's mottos about, you know, healthy living or whatever it is, bigger in French than the actual signage of that says only Lululemon. So you can see, oh. Craig, how the law is clear. Uh, the application, that's so because we haven't seen anything yet. So the two points retailers should keep in mind is that their English trademark Registered English trademark can be used in Quebec. If they have a French registered version, they must use it though. Wow. If they use the English trademark, they must ensure predominance of French. However, that's done with a slogan, a descriptor that's bigger. And that's where as a marketer, I shake my head because we could end up in this weird situation where you're driving, uh, you're at Complex Zistrant and you're seeing signage that says mud, vêtements pour homme, the English, the French version of hardware or sports or whatever, and significantly smaller branding for that retailer or those retailers. That would be so strange because the branding, say, for Lululemon is very much significantly a part of that brand. I guess on, on the flip side, at least you're going to know where the fashion retailer is because you're going to see that first, right? So 
It's like, well, I can get some hardware over here. And, uh, you know, if someone speaks French, they're going to have no question that this is what they'll get. But, you yeah. know, then they're going to have to figure out what actual retailer they're well, going what, to. What's, what's interesting also, you said it at the outset, you know, um, there's some education required. Um, there's a lot of talk about Bill 96 in organizations, you know, in Toronto that I deal with. But it relates more to the language of business, to contracts, to uh, software, to processes and all that. There's not a lot of talk about um, the impact on the retail landscape in Quebec and the implications, the repercussions, I guess, for retailers who are looking perhaps right now to expand into Quebec and are putting a little bit the brakes because they're not sure exactly how. I mean, there's a cost to all of this. That's the other issue here, of course. Yeah, and getting it wrong could be detrimental what sort of penalties uh are you aware of currently that you know the say the language police or other you know enforcement could could have in play in terms of uh say retailers that are not complying with this legislation once it's absolutely mandated my understanding again speak to lawyers but it can mm-hmm. be as high as thirty thousand dollars for not complying complying to what i've just described which is the exterior signage and by the way exterior signage is not limited to those um you know permanent structures on the front of a building uh it includes what one sees from the outside through the windows so suddenly let's think about that too um best buy unless they've trademarked meilleur achat can continue to use Best Buy, at least based on our understanding of the text of the law. But electronic and whatever else needs to be predominant. Now, can it be predominant on the exterior permanent fixture type neon signage? Or can it be suddenly a big electronic in the window, one that does not get removed because it's suddenly the holiday uh, sales uh, POS that's in the window, but that's permanent? Um, so I suspect there will be all kinds of um, accommodations that retailers will look for, and it'll boil down to an inspector or inspectors from the office deciding whether this is actually uh, predominant presence of French. And the law also, I believe, I may be wrong on this, but is beefing up. Uh, the number of inspectors and the when I say increased powers for LaFis, there's going to be more uh, people out there keeping an eye on how it's being implemented and, and adopted and, and, and complied with. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind. This is not some obscure thing that may or may not be enforced. I suspect there will be some symbolic moves to make sure everybody understands that they're taking it seriously come June 2025. Oh, my goodness. Now, um in Retail Insider here, we've been reporting on all kinds of international retailers that are looking at coming into the Canadian market. And, and obviously, Quebec has millions of people that live there. There's certainly a wealth and whatnot. Uh, but some retailers may be hesitant to uh, to go into the Quebec market, especially now that this legislation is uh, uh, taking hold. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking in terms of, say, retailers that are coming in. Do you have any experience? Have you spoken to any? You don't need to name any names specifically for these retailers, but tell me a little bit about. Uh, uh, what you're thinking in terms of international retailers and they're, uh, you know, looking in the Quebec market and saying, oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, it, that's a very good question. And it's a hard one to answer because it varies so greatly depending on the retailer and the sector. Um, I mean, there are uh, national uh, there are retailers, uh, international retailers who look at Canada as an opportunity market who come into Canada and choose not to enter Quebec initially. Um those may choose 
never to enter Quebec. Uh, and the reason is quite simple. They chose not to enter initially because they wanted to first test the waters and see how they would perform in the Canadian market without having to invest in everything that's required to operate uh, in the Quebec market. Um, but I suspect that most of those who are successful in English Canada at some point when you have, I don't know, the infrastructure in place with distribution centers close to Quebec, you're already in the Maritimes. I mean, there might be all kinds of operational and efficiency reasons that outweigh the cost of doing business in Quebec because in part of these language laws and, 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 and other requirements in Quebec, because it's not just about language, there's a lot of other things one needs to worry about when, when uh, expanding into Quebec. So I think that it's always going to be a cost benefit sort of, you know, opportunity cost sort of analysis. It certainly adds yet another uh, irritant. I also think that there might be some international retailers who have had to adjust, not necessarily because of legal reasons, but all kinds of cultural, competitive, whatever the case might be, reasons in other geographies and have recognized that that's just the way a global retailer needs to operate, both in terms of their branding, but also um, their offering uh, more localized merchandise and whatever. So if, if you're that kind of retailer that has this sort of global view of, of how to operate, then the question is, is the geography big enough to warrant it? I mean, I've been in meetings in the U.S. where someone mentioned Puerto Rico as I was describing Quebec. Uh, in other words, a smaller geography with another language, do we really want to have a footprint there? Is it worth it? That sort of discussion takes place as well. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think that it's, it depends on the retailer and their views about localization, not just in Quebec, but anywhere else. Uh, and then, you know, operating just in Canada, in English Canada, and not having yet entered uh, Quebec. I mean, I think in food service, for example, there are a lot of players in English Canada that don't operate in Quebec, and they may figure out that there's no real upside to being in the market. So the law doesn't change that much for them. But it is it is certainly adding a burden. Oh, absolutely. Can we talk about um, Bonjour High in stores uh, <laughs> for a few minutes here? Because I, I think that that sort of comes to play here as well. Uh, some uh, we've seen some news reports around uh, uh, there being a demand that uh, you know people in stores be addressed first in in French, uh, which I'm sure to a Chinese tourist may be a little bit bewildering. But let's talk about <laughs> uh, that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't even say that, but uh, but what are you thinking in terms of uh, you know language laws themselves and what we're seeing in terms of uh, retailers in Quebec right now? Well, I think the bonjour high controversy, if I can call it that, but the noise that you know repeatedly comes up in part because the media picks up on that. There's a, you know, not unusual for the Journal de Montréal to have a, one of its so-called investigative report and sending someone down St. Catherine Street and uh, how many times were they greeted with a hi instead of a bonjour or a bonjour hi and that sort of thing. Um, but I think what it points to is um, a, a bigger, potentially a bigger, a more important issue for um retailers in Quebec, and that is to ensure that uh, service is provided in French. How people are greeted, you know, 
all we care, they could say yo. Uh, you know, it's not that. I per, that's my personal opinion. I think what's really important, and where people have been at times uh, upset and very vocal, and then that gets amplified in the media, is to be entering a retail operation in Quebec. And uh, not being, you know, the staff, and it's perhaps even more difficult now with the shortage of labor to serve people in French um, and to adopt French as the primary language, which is the aim of Bill 96 in many ways. It's just, let's make that the official language. And so that should be reflected in the customer experience, whether it's in person, bricks and mortar, or, you know, online with a call center or whatever. I think that's where the real irritant is for many um, who are francophone, who expect to be served in French, and, and that gets blown up and, and amplified in the media, of course. Mm, and I've, I've encountered in, in Quebec, I, I've been greeted in English first in stores in Montreal. I mean, this is primarily downtown and... Uh, I- Absolutely. Primarily, you know, <laughs> but, but I don't know if I, I, I look like I wouldn't speak French, but that that's the first, or maybe I look like some tourist. I don't know. Maybe I don't dress well. <laughs> well enter, no, 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 no. But uh, you're right. But enter many stores. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, forget the plateau, although it's possible. Uh, forget the complex strand on the South Shore and all that. But if you go on St. Catherine Street, um, you know, in the present area, you know, that you're likely to be interacting with someone who will... Uh, first, speak to you in English. It's it's yeah. it's and, and and I'm not raising a flag or it's just a, a reality. And I think that um, again, uh, when that happens, and it's someone who cares deeply about the French language, it it gets media attention and it yeah, gets yeah. editorial and it gets, of course, uh, the government's attention. And places like Westmount, in terms of, for those that are unfamiliar, there was a bit of an, almost a, a geographic separation between those who sp- spoke English and those who spoke more French. And it was a bit of a West-East divide, I think, geographically. Uh, it isn't always this, the case, I think, now, but that's just something that, you know, I know from geography as a kid, something that we learned uh, yeah. about well, the city the, of Montreal. But, but you mentioned Westmount. I mean, ironically, um, you know, despite the, the noise we get, there are a lot of Anglophones uh, who have remained in Montreal, who are very proud of the city, proud of their Quebec uh, roots, and who speak very good French and are very, not only speak it because they feel it's needed, um, they're proud of it. And uh, they've adopted also, we follow that on all kinds of data uh, that we look at, they, they've adopted many of the consumption behaviors of the French-speaking Quebecois market as well. So... Um, the, the, the issue around the language of business in retail in some parts of Montreal um, is really a fact, a question of, you know, that it's not always French first. That's, uh, or, or sometimes not French at all. Uh, and it gets amplified, as I said. Very, very interesting. Uh, what do you think the future is going to be in terms of uh, language legislation in, in Quebec and otherwise for retailers? Uh, do you think this is going to blow up or do you think things are going to progress uh, in, in well, a bit more of a streamlined matter? Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but I know that this is law. So, uh, and this law is passed and it may be challenged in all kinds of ways, not just around the language of, of signage. But I also know that um, there's three years to comply on the, some of the points we just discussed. Um, I suspect that established retailers in the province uh, are taking a close look, or I would hope that they're taking a close look at this and will find ways to comply. Um, will there be um, uh, pushback? 
I have no doubt. Will there be uh, fines and very public um, fines, uh, public um, you know display of those who were fined? Absolutely. Uh, and will there be perhaps even abuse by the office where it's really seriously, you find someone for that? Um, probably, because uh, let's not forget Pastagate for your listeners who may not remember. Uh, that's Buenanote in Montreal that had a menu that had calamari and pasta and whatever else written on it. And uh, they were fined uh, or they were at least summoned by the office for using um, a non-French language on their menu pasta it became the pasta gate and that was ridiculous and the office apologize i think even the head of the office resigned over the backlash on that one but it's a touchy um uh topic and area but the law is the law and uh, we'll see how it gets implemented and how it gets enforced yeah yeah no this is fascinating i mean uh, i i look at it i would be hesitant to do certain things in the province i'm going to be honest there just just given what I've heard. I, I know that things can be done and adjusted, but, you know, some people may not like rules and law. <laughs> well, to, to, uh, it's very sad to hear that. I agree. I, I, I totally understand your point of view, and I, I suspect others will share it. Um, it's still a quarter of, uh, give or take, a quarter of the population. It's a market that is uh, loyal uh, to brands um, that enjoy shopping. That is uh, uh, not a market that we should just dismiss. Uh, having said that, uh, some of these laws don't make it easy. No question. Oh, it's going to be interesting. Anything else you want to mention before we sign off on the, on the topic? No, but I, I would repeat what I said at the outset. Um, please. Don't take my word for all of it. Read the law or get your legal counsel to advise you if you're if this is something that that has a definitive impact over the next three years on your business. Oh, terrific. Thank you so much for educating us today. Uh, this has been Eric Blaze. He's the president of Headspace Marketing, which is based in Toronto, works with brands uh, going in or operating in the Quebec market. Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and publisher of Retail Insider. Take care and bye for now.